acknowledging it like I didn't acknowledge mine. And I realized that the call on my life was, was not about me. It was about the generations to come. Some of you know my testimony, some of you don't. I thought I'd be a Christian businessman the rest of my life. I thought I was reaching people. People were getting saved. They were giving their life to Christ. They were. I was witnessing to them. I had the opportunity. I was with a company that was a multi-billion dollar company. That I was in an industry where there was a bunch of liars, a bunch of cheaters, a lot of thieves, probably industry that most of us are involved in. <laughs> people that need Christ, people that need the Spirit of God to move in their lives. And this morning as I was sitting there watching Mario and thinking it was more than just about me. And it's more than just about you. And you watch your kids go off and you watch them grow up. You watch their destinies, their plans and their purpose. And sometimes they don't look like they're headed in the right direction. And you realize that, you know, maybe I should have done something differently. Maybe I could have done this or should have done that or would have done this or, well, if I would have done this. And we would had to realize what love is. I think love is greater. It's deeper than what we all know. God loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You know, some of you that are here today, it's not about the call on my life. It's about the call on his life. It's about the call on your children's lives. A lot of times we can try to make that happen. You know, I I wanted him to go do something different and <laughs> and say, you know, you don't understand what you're getting into. I mean, the ministry is not something you choose as a vocation. I want to say that again. The ministry is not something you choose as a vocation. God chooses it for you. You have to walk in it. And we as parents want to protect our children. And, you know, I want to protect him from these things. I want to protect him from the people. Because people can just be downright mean. But I don't want them to focus on the bad things. I want them to focus on the good things. We were listening to a prophetic word that Paul Costa gave Joel a year or so ago. And... And I think it began to unlock some things in his spirit. As he began to start prophesying over him, he said, you're, you're a young man that doesn't like school. I've joked and said, Joel's never liked school. He's only liked two days, and that was the first day and the last day. But something's happened recently. In the last probably 12 to 18 months. And I'd find his Bible open and I'd find him studying the Word. I couldn't get him to pick up an algebra book and look at it. But it was the Spirit of God beginning to start move on him. And that prophetic word was that Paul Costa, you know, had given to Joel. You know, the Spirit of God had given to to Paul through Joel. Through Paul to Joel talked about that you would have a time where you would study to show yourself approved he's going into a program 
I want to say a program. It's a, it's a submersion of God. He's now being just sent off the diving board into the water, and he's going to be submerged for the next 10 months. There's going to be some things of the world that he just doesn't have the opportunity to get a hold of. He's basically going to have a two-year program, two-year schooling, two-year combined into one. I, I see him put into a funnel where all of a sudden it's gone from here to here. And I know, I know he's up for the challenge. I know he's up for what's taking place. I'm watching God move, and I just want you to know, son, how much I love you and how much mom and I love you. And thank you for the word of God that came forth today that I know that in the upcoming months that you'll have to listen to that word, and that word will give you encouragement. I've watched this young guy go from somebody that wouldn't even order a meal at McDonald's to somebody that might say, hey, you know what, I'm standing up for what I believe in and I'm standing up for the word of God and I'm going to make a decision. Is he perfect? No. Is he, has he been perfect? No. Neither have you. Neither have I. Neither am I. There's only one perfect one that's walked the face of this earth and that was Jesus Christ. He's going to need prayer. We're going to need prayer. Just like any parent that has sent their children off to college, you go by their room and it's empty. And you wonder about the plan and the purpose and the destiny that God has for their lives. And we've been speaking into that plan, that purpose, and that destiny for many years. And it's beginning to, I don't want to say unfold, because there's a lot of it that unfolds, you know what I mean? But it's beginning to start coming into that first phase. And I'm excited about what God is doing. I don't know what the future holds for for him. I, I don't know. I know that if he holds on to Christ, it's all going to be good. Amen? Even the difficult things, even the times in his life where he gets hurt, he'll find Jehovah Rapha. He'll find a healing God. A God that will heal his heart, that will heal his mind, that will heal his emotions, that will bring forth healing into his life. I just want to pray as a pastor for you. I just want to pray a blessing over you. Will you come up and allow Dad to pray for you? <laughs> Mom, will you come on up? You know, and if anybody else wants to come on up, you're welcome to. I just... I just don't want, I want the Holy Spirit to move in this place. So if the Lord's leading you to come up and join us, you're more than welcome to come on up and join us. You're going to be leaving here this week, and we're going to be transitioning to Colorado. He's going to be under a ministry, Dutch Sheets ministry. He'll be in their care, and, and Dutch Sheets is a tremendous teacher. He's different than I am. He, he's, um, he's a teacher. He's a teacher in the body of Christ. He is anointed governmentally there's a government anointing on him he speaks it to the to the president of the united states he speaks into the government um god has anointed him to just bring forth some things in the earth that is uh that is a, a very powerful thing and i know that anointing will be released upon you i just want to share this with you, you you'll meet probably meet jim gall you may may read some books of, that jim gall has, has written he wrote a book called wasted on jesus <laughs> I mean, that'll shake some religious things, you know.
And, um, and, and Jim Gall had prophesied over me in a meeting. He was praying over people, and he came up and he laid his hands on me, and he said, you are a government intercessor. He said, you have been through, the word was the Maytag ringer, and that God has wrung some things out, and he's brought me to a place. And that same anointing rests on you. And it's not by chance. It's not just by, uh, by positioning that you're doing. It's by divine appointment from God that you're going in under Dutch sheets and his ministry there and him having that governmental anointing upon his life. And it will be shifted to you. And you'll begin to learn some things and you'll begin to grow in some areas that you probably uh, have no knowledge of. But the Holy Spirit will begin to bring knowledge into you. He won't lead you into an area without bringing you knowledge first. And and you're going to show yourself approved. You're going to study to show yourself approved. And there's going to be times where you're going to want to play video games. And there's going to be times where you're going to want to wrestle with that. And there's going to be times where you're going to want to do some other things. But I just want you to know that, that this is the time that God has set aside. And I know how serious it will be towards you. But enjoy it as you go. Enjoy it. You know, enjoy the time. And... And we, uh, we will be praying for you. We will only be a phone call away. And, and I know that God will begin to move. And I just want to just pray a blessing over you. Father, as this man of God goes forth, I just ask you to just to strengthen his heart. God, I just ask that you, as he transitions, Lord God, transition is never easy, God. I just know that as he transitions, Lord God, that you are bringing him into maturity. Lord, that he may be going from one level of faith to another level of faith, Lord. That he may be going from a, a, a paedion to a technon. That he is going from one area of a son of God into a more mature area of a son of God. Eventually leading him to be a weos man of God. That's the fullness of Christ. And God, I just ask that you'll keep him safe. I thank you for the angels that are being dispatched, that are set on assignment. I thank you for the warring angels, God, that we have prayed that you are bringing protection and provision for him. Now, I just ask you, Lord, to send your angels as they did to Jesus when he was in the middle of the wilderness and and he came out and had a fight with the enemy. And, And, Lord, that your word says that after that, that the angels came and ministered to Jesus. I thank you that man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And Joel will live not by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Lord, I thank you you will strengthen him in this time of weakness. I thank you that he will come in to his own relationship with you. It's, and that he's been coming into the last uh, 12 to 18 months, his own relationship with you. Not mom's relationship, not dad's relationship, not grandparents' relationship but his own relationship with you. God, I ask you to strengthen him and encourage him. Lord, as he's away from us, to let him know how much we love him and how much we care for him, Lord God, and the difficult times that he'll turn to you and you'll give him wisdom. You'll release it through the Holy Spirit. I command a blessing. I decree a blessing. I decree increase in statute and wisdom and knowledge and counsel and might and the fear of the Lord, and increase in the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. amen. Anybody else? Tim, you have anything? Or, can you hand me that mic over there, please? I don't need a mic. Yeah, thank you, Lord. You may want to record anything. Anybody else have anything? Praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord. Do you have anything? Anybody else got anything? Let's give the Lord some praise. Amen. So mom's going to need some... Uh, pray for mom. She's going to need some real, you know, some real prayer there. Like I'm not. I found something that, you know, the mood's kind of heavy right now, isn't it? It's okay. I found something that I really uh, began to think about love, and I began to think about how much I love Shelley and how much God has done for us. And, and I know he's going to continue because we love God, and God, is, God loves you. He loves you very much. There was a, a group of professional people, and they posted this question on a group from four to eight-year-olds. Uh, what does love mean? We could probably pose this question here today. The answers they got are, are probably broader and deeper than any of you will expect or could have imagined. So I want you to see what you think, okay? Rebecca, at age eight, she, she said, when, when my grandma got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandpa does it for her now all the time. Even when his hands got arthritis too, that's love. Billy, at the age of four, said, When someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You just know that your name is safe in their mouths. Carrie, at the age of five, said, Love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on shaving cologne, and they go out and smell each other. Chrissy, at the age of six, said, Love is when you go out to eat and you give somebody most of your french fries without making them give you any of theirs. <laughs> Terry, at the age of four, said, Love makes you smile when you're tired. Danny, at the age of seven, said, Love is when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip, giving it to him just to make sure it tastes okay. Emily, at the age of six, says, Love is when you kiss all the time. And when you get tired of kissing, you still want to talk to each other even more. My mommy and daddy are like that. They look gross when they kiss. <laughs> Bobby, at the age of seven, said, Love is what's in the room or what you hear in the room at Christmas time when you stop and listen to those opening the presents. Hmm. If you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend you hate, says Nika at the age of six. Noel at the age of seven said, love is when you tell a guy that you like his shirt, and then he wears it every day. <laughs> Tommy at the age of six says, love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends after they know each other so well. <laughs> I got a few more. Cindy, at the age of eight, said, During my piano re recital, I was on stage and I was scared. And I looked at all the people watching me and I saw my daddy waving and smiling. He was the only one doing that and I wasn't scared anymore. Claire, at the age of six, says, My mommy loves me more than anybody. You don't see anyone else kissing me as I go to sleep at night. Elaine, at the age of five, says, Love is when my mommy gives my daddy the best piece of chicken. <laughs> Love is when my mommy sees my daddy smelly and sweaty 
and still says he's handsomer than Robert Redford. Now, I don't know how old this has been. (laughs) Chris, at the age of seven, (laughs) said love is when your puppy licks your face even after you've left him alone all day. Karen, at the age of seven, said when you love somebody, your eyelashes go up and down and little stars come out of you. Jessica, at the age of eight, said, You really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot. Because people forget. Wisdom of a child. And the winner was a four-year-old child whose next-door neighbor was an elderly man who had just lost his his wife. When the child saw the man cry, The little boy went over into the man's yard and he climbed up on top of the man's lap and he just sat there. When the boy's mother asked him what he'd said to his neighbor, the little boy said, nothing. I just helped him cry. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn or to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Think about how much God loves us, and think about how much this is great wisdom from these children. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I love you. And maybe you should tell them more often. You may not know the person. You're thinking, you know, I I don't know. You you love them in Christ. I'm not saying that you're going to go home and sleep with them tonight. Come on, somebody. I mean, you love them in the Lord. You love them, in, you love them in, in, the, in the principles and the precepts of God. You love them because God loves them. And you know, one of the things that I realize is that God's most precious resource or thing is people. And we get to the point where we almost don't want to love people. You got somebody that you don't want to love? Yeah. Yeah, I, I know some of you raised your hand, but I know everybody else is like, yeah, Aunt Martha. I want to finish up something I started Wednesday night, a couple of Wednesday nights ago, and that's, um, that's the functions of the Holy Spirit, because I believe the Holy Spirit allows us to bring love in our life. If it teaches us all things, it's going to teach us how to love when we, when we are not lovely. It's going to teach us how to love when we see the yuck. It's going to teach us how, how to be friends, like this, this one, one little girl said that, that her, her grandparents, they still loved each other, even though they've talked everything, and, and, and they've spent all this time together, they still love each other. I was thinking about how much I love God. I was thinking about how much God loves me. And I thought about how much I love, love my son and, and my daughter and, and our children. And, you know, I thought about how much I love you guys. And I began to start thinking that, that you know what, you can have children. And, and how many of you, when you were single, you know, you, you love somebody? And before you had children involved in your life, you loved somebody and you would talk to a couple and they would go, oh, you know, so-and-so just had a, a, a baby or, or we just had a baby and she's just a precious thing and, oh, we just love her so much. And you said, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And until you had that child, until you held that baby in your hands, you had no idea of the love they were talking about. You know, that we, we've dealt with that. And I think we all, even though we love our children so much, I think we just have no idea of how much God loves us. 
I think we forget at times that God loves us. I think the world forgets that Christ loved them and he gave his life for them. I, I began to start thinking about how much the Holy Spirit begins to move in our lives. And, and I just want to review just a moment about the Spirit of God. We talk about the Trinity. We talk about the third person of, of the Spirit of God, the, the, the Holy Spirit. We've, we've talked about Him. We've talked about Father, God the Father. We've talked about Jesus Christ the Son. And there's some churches that don't even want to talk about the Holy Spirit. In fact, I even heard of a congregation that was going to vote whether or not they were going to allow the Holy Spirit or not. And this is recently, and it's in this area. So I realize it's a, it's a wonderful thing when we allow the Spirit of God to move today. I want to review real quick on the, the, the functions of the Holy Spirit that we've covered so far. Number one, the Holy Spirit teaches us to understand the Bible. Say, understand. He teaches us to understand the Bible. I'm going to encourage you, if you haven't got this series, if you haven't been here for the whole thing, when we finish it up, we'll put it together in a, in a, a nice little uh, case and stuff for you or whatever, and, and you can get it. And you can begin to listen to it. You begin to meditate on it. Number two, the, the Holy Spirit helps us to pray and intercede. He helps us to pray and intercede because in English I can only pray so far. I can only go so far. My mind can only go so far. I can only pray so long or so much in English. Number three, we can get wisdom from the Holy Spirit. Say wisdom. We can get wisdom from the Holy Spirit. Number four, He guides us into truth. He guides us into all truth. Number five, he brings us deep and lasting peace. Not peace as the world gives, but absence of conflict, but a peace, an inner peace that's there that just comes from the Spirit of God. He brings unity to the believers. The Spirit of God will bring unity to the believers. You may disagree on something or you may say, you know what, I want to I want to I want to bring this to the to the to the forefront of your knowledge. I want you to talk about these issues, but he still brings unity in the believers. If you've never experienced that, that's something very special and that's the spirit of God that works. He is God's guarantor. He guarantees he's a deposit that when Jesus Christ comes back, and I'm not talking about when he comes back, he is coming back sometime. We keep looking. We got to keep looking. I, you know, I, there may be some things we go through before he comes back. I don't know. I, I'm still. I'm just know that that he's going to come again as he left. You know, and he, and he's our the spirit of God is our guarantor. He's our down payment. He's our deposit. God, you get the spirit of God in you. He's deposited that. You know what? Uh, you're, you're mine. You belong to God. He helps us worship. The Holy Spirit helps us worship. I want to finish up this last one real quick. The Holy Spirit helps us speak. Say that. He helps us speak. We got to speak. We got to, he helps us speak. So turn with me to, to Luke chapter 12. And we're just going to go over this. And we're going to touch base on this. Because there's something that I began to touch on Wednesday night. That, that the Lord wants me to get to. And I, I, I don't want to discount this. Because this is very important. These are nine. You can probably look in the Word of God. You can find more functions of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to limit that, but as you begin to look at those 450-some-odd scriptures plus that I've given you on that handout, you've got to be able to look at those. You've got to start reading about it. I received an email just recently uh, about the Holy Spirit and, and someone that was asking questions about it. And it's amazing that, that, that here we are teaching on it and then the questions come. 
God was just preparing us to be able to answer those. Luke chapter 12. Let's look at... Man, I just... You know, I just it's hard just to take a scripture out of here because I just want to go back a chapter and then that's all good. So you just want to go back another chapter and then read that and that's all good. So, you know, it's we're just going to start. I don't know. We'll just start at verse 11. Luke 12, 11, everybody there say amen. OK. When they bring you before synagogues and rulers and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense. Or what you are to say. The Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Let me lay down a little background here because this was a time where, where Jesus was teaching the disciples and he said there's going to be some difficult things that are going to be ahead and, and, and you're going to be able to go up against some rulers and some authorities. In other words, people are going to call you to the carpet and say, why are you talking about Jesus Christ? Why are you talking and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? And why are you saying these things? Because the religious leaders in that day were calling it blasphemy. And Jesus was saying, hey, you know what? You're going to have some difficult times. But when you get called before them, there's going to be uh, something that's going to be in you that's going to teach you what to say and how to say it. And that's the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, and the Spirit of God is working in the earth. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. He's beginning to work in the earth. And I was, I just flip, just, well, just flip over with me to uh, Matthew chapter 10, because Matthew's got basically a, the same account of it. But I like how, like how he kind of puts it, Matthew puts it in a little bit different way. Verse 17 says, But be aware, Matthew 10, 17. But be aware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts, and they will scourge you in the synagogues, and you will even be brought before the governors and kings for my sake, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, do not worry of how or what you are to say, for it will be given you in the hour what you are to say. Verse 20. For it is not you who speak, but it is the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. <laughs> it's not you. There's been times where people will say something, and I really don't know the answer to it, and the Spirit of God will speak, and I'm thinking, where'd that come from? I began to start thinking about this and because the Holy Spirit helps us speak. If we'll listen to the Holy Spirit, if we'll submit ourselves to the Spirit of God, He will help us speak. He listen, and you know what He'll also help you do? Not say something. <laughs> He'll help us not to say something. When somebody comes up and says, you know, I really don't like your tie. Thank you. The Holy Spirit will help me not to speak. But I want to talk about the Spirit of God and how He helps us to speak. And I began to, I was thinking, I was like, God, I, I remember in, in Exodus where Moses was not a man of articulate speech. And he didn't know how he could go before Pharaoh. And God says, you know what? I'm going to use Aaron to speak for you. And it wasn't long that I think it, by chapter 4, 
chapter 5 in Exodus, I think it, was, it wasn't long. Aaron wasn't speaking anymore. Moses was speaking himself. Amen? And it was like, I believe it was the Spirit of God speaking through, through Moses. And I began to start thinking about Peter and, and John when they, you know, in Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit of God came upon them, there was a different Peter than it was before. What happened to this Peter who denied Jesus three times and said, Lord, I'll never deny you. But yet when the pressure was on, he did. And then what happened to Peter in, in Acts when uh, chapter 4? Let's look there. Let's just go there. Acts chapter 4. Let's just look at this because I want us to begin to see this. Because Peter and John were arrested. The Holy Spirit came upon the scene. They came down, come on, out of that upper room. And there was a power that they were operating in that they weren't operating in before. Come on, somebody. The, the, the Spirit of God was upon them, in them, through them, speaking with them, for them. And they were just being obedient to God. They were being yielded to the Spirit of God. And this is an example of how the Spirit of God will speak for you. Um, did I tell you Acts chapter 4? Did I tell you? We'll start at verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. I want to stop there a minute. Oh, man. I'm telling you, we got to start speaking under the auspice of the Holy Spirit. Because there are times where the Spirit of God tells you to say something and you don't want to ruffle any feathers. It's amazing, it's amazing how the name Jesus Christ will shake some things. You can talk about Muhammad, you can talk about Buddha, you can talk about India, any of the Indian gods, the, the so many thousands they've got. But when you talk about Jesus Christ... I'm telling you, there is a spirit, not the Holy Spirit, that rises up. It's an, anti, it's a, it's an anti-Christ spirit that rises up. You don't have an anti-Buddha spirit. You ever heard anything of an anti-Buddha spirit, anybody? Anti-Muhammad spirit? Anti-Islam spirit? No. Uh, no, no, no. But there is an anti-Christ spirit. And we begin to start see some things and we see it begin to happen right here because what happened was Jesus was trying to tell the disciples that, you know what, you're going to have some difficult times ahead. And I'm not going to sit in here and tell you life is going to be great because there's going to be some difficult times ahead. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to move in and through you and speak for you, look, we're going to look and see what happened. But, but they, they were beginning to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think the enemy has done a good job of silencing us. Silencing you. Well, because you don't know the rules. There's the book of rules. I don't know if I should say this. I'm not, don't know if I'm allowed to do this where I work at. Call the ACLJ. Let's get Jay Sekulow involved. Come on, somebody. I would rather you be proactive, and then we got to call him and say, let's get some clarification on this, than for you not to say anything and not allow the Holy Spirit to move forward. Not allow, well, I'll get into that in a moment. Not allow the Spirit of God to speak for you. Amen? We've got to speak the things of God. We've got to preach the gospel. Peter was willing to preach the gospel. And there wasn't but... 40 
So he worked on the earth for 40 days. It was before then, probably 60, 65 days earlier. All of a sudden, Peter wasn't even going to, you know Jesus. No, I don't know him. You were with him. No, it wasn't me. Now all of a sudden, Peter and John, they're going to be arrested, put in jail. Why? Because they're telling about Jesus Christ. Tell the world that. Tell the world that. Tell the world that Jesus lives. We've got to tell the world that. You know what? He's alive. <laughs> He's alive. That's all you got to do. They say, you know, I don't know if I believe. Really? Are you going to believe in some dead thing? You're going to believe in Pharaoh, this dead Egypt, in this tomb in Egypt? That's what you're going to believe? I'm going to believe in Jesus Christ because he's alive. You want to believe in, in, in Buddha? He's dead. Muhammad? He's dead. All the other gods? They're dead. But he's alive. And that's what they were, that's what they were telling. That's what they were saying. Verse 3 said, And they laid hands on them, and they put him in jail the next day. And it was already evening. Verse 4, but many of those who had heard the message believed, and a number of the men came to be about 5,000. Woo! Man, if Lord said, you know, I want to preach the gospel, I want you to hear the word, and 5,000 people are going to be saved, I'll go to jail. Come on, somebody. Oh, no, I don't think you'll be willing to. I'll go to, I'm going to speak the word of God. I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to tell them about, about Jesus. I'm going to tell them that, that I walked with him, that I talked with him, and that I saw him crucified, and then he rose again. He wasn't there. I ran to the grave. I outran John. I looked in the tomb, and he wasn't there. He wasn't there. They knew he was there. They put guards outside, and they said, Hey, you guard it, because I don't want to have no rumors that somebody stole him. They stole the body. <laughs> Yeah, the body was resurrected. <laughs> God got the body. Come on, somebody. And went to the tomb and they looked at it and, and he wasn't there. They saw this. And the Spirit of God, the power of God came upon them. And they began to start speaking the gospel and talking about Jesus Christ. The Bible says in verse 5, On the next day the rulers and the elders and the scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. A-N-N-A-S. Annas. I'm thinking, I don't like the way that sounds. The high priest was there in Caiaphas. Now, these guys were at the trial of Jesus. All right? So that's why, I mean, the, I looked at the scriptures and I was thinking, why are they naming them? And John and Alexander and all who were the high priests because Ananias and, and, and Caiaphas, they were, they were there when Jesus was being held at trial. And they took part in that. Verse 7. And they placed them in the center and they began to inquire, By what power or what name have you done this? Then Peter filled with what? Filled with what? Oh, come on now. He was with Jesus. He walked with him. He talked with him. He, he, something began to happen here. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden... It wasn't him talking about it. It was the Spirit of God talking. Come on, somebody. And it said, The rulers and the elders of the people who are on trial today for the benefit have done to a sick man. And this is the man has been made well. Let it be known to all and all the people in Israel that by that name, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who was crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by his name this man stands before you in good health. I should have laid this down beforehand. I apologize for not doing that. There was a beggar at the, at the gate called Beautiful. 
And Peter and John had walked by him. And he said, Silver and gold I have not thee, but in the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. And the, the Bible says that his legs were strengthened. So this was a beggar, listen to me, that I believe sat at that temple for many years. He was 40-some years old. Did you know that Jesus went in and out of that gate called beautiful many times? He did. Look it up. He'd go into the temple, and that's where they'd go into the temple. It was the gate called beautiful. And listen, this wasn't the first time that beggar was sitting there. Jesus walked by that beggar many times. Many times. But now he was healed. And he was glorifying God. Come on, somebody. And they were mad because he got healed. And how did he get healed? And they were starting to give Peter and John the big head. Peter and John weren't going to take the big head. Because it was Peter and John that did it. Don't think if you lay hands on somebody and they recover that it's you doing it. Don't think of it for a moment. It's not you doing it. Don't even take the credit. And they gave God the credit. They gave him the glory. And now they were being, being called to account. Called to the carpet, thrown in jail because this guy's gotten healed. And he says, hey, we, it, it isn't about us. Not to us, but to God be the glory. He said, let it be known to all the people of Israel, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name this man stands here before you in good health, and he starts talking about Jesus. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. That's why Jesus, the name of Jesus, people get upset about. Because there is salvation in no one else. Therefore, there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Somebody give Jesus some praise. Amen. We just praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So we see the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, beginning to move with Peter. We, get, we see the Spirit of God begins to move. I mean, they, they've been brought up in front of uh, governors, uh, and then they watched, them, they watched them throw Jesus in jail, literally. They watched him crucify our Lord and our King, and it was these same men that they had to come before again, and they're saying, Bay, by what power are you doing this? And they said, not by mine, by the power of Jesus. By Jesus Christ. Oh, by the way, the one you crucified, that's who we're doing it. For the one you crucified. The Bible says they were all filled in Acts chapter 2, 4. It says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues and the Spirit gave them utterance. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. What was the difference? 65 days earlier, I'm going to use that. I don't know if it's exactly 65 days. Jesus, when he, was, when he was resurrected, came back for 40 days and taught the disciples. So it was before then that, they, that he had said, Terry here in Jerusalem, wait here for me. And he said, hey, you know what? What was the difference in Peter, the Peter that denied Christ and the Peter that now stood before governors and rulers? What was the difference? Can, can I, everybody agree with that? The Bible said he was filled with the Holy Spirit. There was a difference there. There was a difference. The Spirit of God was beginning to move. And the Spirit of God allowed him to say some things. So one of the functions of the Holy Spirit is, is he helps us speak. And he helps us speak. 
I think about Acts 6.10. I mean, the, the people couldn't stand up against Stephen. The Bible, can you put up Acts 6.10 for me, please? Stephen was, generationally, he had some generational blessings coming down his generational line. You, Stephen was a man full of the Holy Ghost. The Bible said when they selected deacons, deacons to serve in the administration of the food, that Stephen was one of those. But the Bible says that they were unable to, to cope with the wisdom of the Spirit which he was speaking. In other words, the Spirit of God, Stephen was speaking, and the Spirit of God began to speak through him, and the wisdom of God, come on, came forward. And there was people, there's been times where I've talked to somebody, and they've just gotten mad and left. And I thought, what is that? And it was the Spirit of God speaking through me that they just didn't have nothing else to say. It was like, I guess I can't refute that. I guess I can't refute that. Well, you know, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, there's only one baptism. Well, it also says in Hebrews, I think it's 6, that there's baptisms, and it's plural. Well, we're not supposed to be speaking in tongues. Well, let's look at the Holy Spirit. Let's look at, what what's you going to do with the Holy Ghost? There's 400 some odd scriptures. You got one scripture, I give you 450. You weigh it. Come on, somebody. What are we doing with that? What? Some people don't know what to do with it. So they just say, fine. I was, I was taught a Baptist. You know the difference between a Baptist and a terrorist? You can negotiate with a terrorist. I was a Baptist. You couldn't negotiate with me, Jack. That's what I've been taught. Till I started reading in the Word for myself, and I thought, that is in there. How'd that get in there? I'd never been taught that scripture. Well, I found out there was a very few scriptures that I had, had been taught, and a, very, a, lot of, a lot of them that I hadn't been taught. Come on, somebody. Y'all didn't like my Baptist joke. If you was a Baptist, you'd like it. You used to be. Baptists think they got their own religion. You know, there's Catholics and Protestants. Baptists are Protestant. They're part of the Protestant Movement, I guess. I don't know what you call that, but but they think they're not. You could say, No, you're Protestant, and no, I'm Baptist. No, you're pro- no, I'm Baptist. Don't you know I'm Baptist? No, you're, you're Protestant, brother. You're like me. No, I'm Baptist. The Spirit of God began to speak, and Peter and John came before the Sanhedrin, the council. And they began, the Spirit of God began to move and began to speak. And the Spirit of God began to tell them, give them the words to say. He'll give you the words to say. He'll use your lips, your mouth, your tongue. He'll use your air. Come on, somebody. He'll use your, he'll use your teeth. He'll use everything that you got, your, your, your vocal cords. And he'll give you the opportunity to say something. Now, Wednesday night, we kind of touched on something that I want to touch on today. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Anybody got any questions on the, those nine functions of the Holy Spirit? Okay, Ephesians chapter 4. I want to look at something called grieving the Holy Spirit. And we touched on it Wednesday night. Now I haven't, 
I haven't worked this totally out, except for the Bible says that that we can grieve the Spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 4. I want us to look at... Man, this is another deal. I just want to go back to... Oh... Let me just let me just let me just read through it verse 1. Therefore I prisoner of the Lord implore you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling which you have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience maybe you can see yourself in here or not but showing tolerance for one another in love being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace we talked about that there's one body one spirit as all of you uh, just as Also, you were called into one hope, one calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and in all, through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace is given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives, captive a host of, of captives in his train. He gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended. What does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascends far above all the heavens so that he might fill, might fill all things. 11, verse 11. He gave some in the church, some to be apostles as prophets, some as evangelists, pastors, teachers, for equipping the saints to do the works of the service, to building the body up of Christ, until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to a measure of the statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ. We are not there yet. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, the craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. That word building up, you can probably look at it in the Greek, it means to edify, to build up. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walked in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because the ignorance that is in them. <laughs> he's, pretty, he's pretty hard here, man. Because of the hardness of their heart. They have become, having become callous, even giving themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have, have heard him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of the deceit. Wait a minute. Excuse me, that Jesus, that in the reference of your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, here we go, that is being corrupted in the accordance of the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And to put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in the righteousness and the holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside any falsehood, speaking truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. 
Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. The international version, I looked at that. I've read that. It says, don't give the devil a foothold. Those of you that maybe have done some climbing, you have to have footholds. You have to find a place in the rock to where you can begin to move higher. So you have to get a foothold. Otherwise, you won't have anything to move you up for. He says, do not give the devil an opportunity or a foothold. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor. Hmm. Labor's a good thing. Performing with his own hands what is good so that we, he will have something to share with those who are in need. Hmm. Here we go. Verse 29. Don't let any unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. I believe that if you look at this, he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He gave you some things to lead up to. Don't give the devil a, uh, an opportunity. Don't be stealing. You know, if you steal, don't steal any longer. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but that which is edifying and uplifting to the hearer. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? And the Lord said, look at verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. If we're operating in these things, it's going to grieve the Holy Spirit. I want the word grieve, when you look, at, when you look it up, it's, it's lupio in the, in, the, in the Greek, L-U-P-E-O. And it means basically to distress or to be sad. Let me, what else does the word, the word grieve? I, I got a definition that I want us to look at. It means to cause or to feel grief or sorrow. To cause or to feel grief or sorrow. When you grieve the Spirit of God, it means to distress. It means to be sad. It means to brood over, mourn, wail. Listen to this. Sorrow, hurt. What? We hurt the Spirit of God? That's what it says. It says we grieve the Spirit of God. Distress the Spirit of God. Think about this. When I don't do what I should do, I distress the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. When I'm not functioning in the way that the Holy Spirit wants to function, when I'm not allowing Him to function and move the way He wants to move, I can grieve the Holy Spirit. It's pretty simple. What? What? You mean, if, if, if I don't allow the Spirit of God to move, I grieve the Spirit? I think so. I think so. It means to cause to feel grief or sorrow, to distress, to distress, to, to, to sadden, to, to be sad, to brood, to brood, to... It means to, to mourn. It means to... Man, I begin to start thinking about, man, I don't want to hurt or wail. Or, or cause the Spirit of God to sorrow. And then I, I began to look at bitterness and wrath and anger 
and clamor and slander. He says this stuff's got to be put away from you, along with all malice. And I thought, man, it reminded me when I was in, actually I was in college and I was taking introductory to justice and criminal law and and there were five elements that had to be determined in a murder. They have to be predetermined before they can consider it a murder. If those five elements are not there, it's not murder. And I began to start thinking, and one of them is malice. And I began to start thinking about this word malice. It means, in the Greek here, it means trouble. It means evil. It means badness. That's what it said. It means wickedness. And one, you can look up one Greek word and it'll tell you to go to another Greek word and sometimes it'll tell you to go to another one. So you just kind of follow the path. And I followed the path and, and, and it came to another Greek word called um, kakothia. And you know what this meant? Bad character. Bad character. Because I was wondering why he separates it from bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander and put all away these things, along with all malice. And I thought, ooh. I began to start thinking about some synonyms for malice. Here's some synonyms that I want to list for you. Spite. See if we catch everybody in here. (laughs) Grudge. Ill will. Enmity. Meaning deep hatred or violence. Animosity. Resentment, bitterness. Are we there yet? (laughs) I began to start looking at that and I'm thinking, wow. And he says in verse 32, because you know, God's not going to tell us don't do this without saying don't do this, but you can do this. You know what I mean? He'll give us an answer. And look at what verse 32 says, because he really comes back and gives us an answer. And I believe it, it ties into verse 30, where he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. But he says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Mm. Mm. How many of y'all, how many, we may have some vegetarians in the house, but how many of y'all like steak? Anybody eat steak? Raise your hand if you eat beef. Okay. How many of you like tough beef? Anybody like beef that's just tough? You just leave it on the grill, got... I like a tender beef. I, I like it tenderized. I like to put that tenderizing stuff on it. And I like the meat to be tender. He says for us to be kind to one another. To be tender hearted. Check this out. Forgiving each other. Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Wow. Forgiving each other. Forgiving each other. Forgiving each other. Just like. God in Christ has forgiven me. And I'm thinking, wow, there should be a difference between Christians and non-Christians. Believers and non-believers, there should be a difference. We should be able to see the difference. Are you grieving God or are you pleasing God? Are we grieving the Holy Spirit? Are we pleasing the Holy Spirit? I mean, 1 Thessalonians says, Do not 
5.19, I believe it is. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. It said, don't quench the Spirit's fire. Don't quench the Spirit's fire. It's like, wow. Don't quench the Spirit's fire. Don't, don't quench the Spirit. Don't, don't quench the Spirit. Don't, don't, don't let truthfulness and honesty and good character, morals, values, don't let these things not go without being said, without being practiced, without being put into, well, James said it this way, faith without works is, is dead. Without practicing it, without utilizing it, without stepping into it. Are you grieving? Are you the Spirit of God? Or are you pleasing God? There's been some of you, even in this congregation, that I've said, hey, do, do, a, do a Holy Ghost report card at the end of the evening when you lay down to bed at night. Say, God, how did I do today? I said, but be willing to listen and hear God. <laughs> because God will say, you know what? You weren't real kind to your wife earlier when she burnt the meatloaf. Kids really needed help with their homework, and you weren't really tender-hearted towards that. What was the comment that you made? You did your work, they can do theirs. How many times do we... I want to be somebody that pleases the Holy Spirit. I want to be somebody that operates in the Spirit of God. I mean, verse 32 says, Be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. You know, Christ was willing to forgive those who persecuted Him. Christ was willing on the cross to forgive those that talked bad about Him. In the movie, The Passion for Christ, when, when He's up there, I mean, the the high priest is looking at, at Jesus, you know, and he's, he's saying, you know, if you're the Son of God, come on down from there. And he's walking away, and in that, in that depiction, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How many times do we harbor bitterness and unforgiveness in our heart? We grieve the Spirit of God. I want to I, I please God. I want to be quick to forgive. Do you forget? No. But the Spirit of God will help you deal with forgiving. The Holy Spirit will. There's been many Christians who have left the churches, left their relationship with God because of bitterness and unforgiveness. They grieve the Spirit of God. They grieve the Spirit of God. Christ was willing to forgive. That's a law of forgiveness. There's a law there. There's a principle there. There's a precept there. In fact, he says, if you'll forgive others, I'll forgive. My Father in heaven will forgive you. And if you don't forgive others, he's not going to forgive you. Wow, that's powerful. Jesus said, forgive 70 times 7. Continually, all the time. Let us pray. Today, God, as we look to see how the Spirit of God moves. God, we saw that you help us understand the Bible. God, we need help understanding the Bible. God, my prayer is that you'll help us pray and intercede. 
that we can get wisdom from you, Holy Spirit, and, and that you will lead us and guide us into truth. That you'll bring deep and lasting peace upon our lives. We need deep and lasting peace in our lives today. That you'll bring unity to us as believers. We may not agree on everything, but you know what? We do agree that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, we shall be saved. And the Spirit of God is alive and active in this place. And that you've given us that Spirit of God as a as a down payment, as a guarantee. Help us worship. Holy Spirit, help us worship. Help us worship. Help us release our heart, our body, our minds to worship you. Spirit of God, help us speak. Just let us be bold in our speech. Let us not be afraid. Let us not be concerned what can happen to us. But let's be concerned that 5,000 came to know Christ just from Peter and John not willing to be quiet but to allow the Spirit of God to speak for them. Forgive us, God, when we've grieved the Spirit, your Spirit. Forgive us for the times where we've held bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness in our lives. Bring to our remembrance these things. Let us confess. Let us repent. We break the yoke of bondage. And we walk in a newness of life. God, my prayer for us today is very simple. It's what David prayed in Psalms 51, 11. Do not cast away from me your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Do not cast away from me your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Let us be continually filled with the Spirit of God. Some of you today just need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Just fill us up fresh. Fill us up new. Lead and guide and direct us. Bring us into understanding. church said amen 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 I want to challenge you right here right now 
from now until Wednesday. And I hope it will continue after that. I don't want you to think after I tell you what the challenge is <laughs> that after Wednesday it's off. <laughs> let's, let's go through a process of cleansing. We got to have this. Don't think, well, I've been cleansed one time. I'm cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Yeah, you got, yeah, but you're collecting a whole bunch of junk along the way. Come on, somebody. And that needs to be confessed. It needs to be repented of. You need to be put back in right relationship with God. And there's some things where we've grieved the Spirit of God. I have grieved the Spirit of God. I've been disobedient. And God has said, pray for this person right here. As I will a little bit later. God, you hook me up with him after service and I'll pray for him. He doesn't get hooked up because I didn't do it when really God wanted me to do it. I'm not saying do it right now because there's times where at work you're at a break. The Spirit of God might say, they need your prayer. You might be working and the Spirit of God say, you need to pray for Kelly. Just pray for her. Be obedient to the Spirit of God. I've been disobedient. God wants to bring us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Isaiah 11.1 1 talks about, we call it the sevenfold Spirit of God. I want you to look that up. I want you to read them. Counsel, might, the fear of the Lord. And over the next few days, let's just let God do something in us, can we? Position yourself to hear from God. Ask the Spirit of God where I've hurt you, where I've grieved you. Where have I saddened you? How have I acted or reacted in situations that I wasn't? We heard it it many years ago. The Christian community had, what would Jesus do? But then we wouldn't do what Jesus would do. We would just say, what would Jesus do? And we'd never do it. Come on, somebody. You'd tell somebody else, well, what would Jesus do in this situation? But you wouldn't do it. We've got to start carrying that out. We've got to do what Jesus would do. We've got to do what the Spirit of God tells us to do. Will you stand to your feet a moment? I'm not going to do it by a show of hands. I'm not. Just, you know in your heart what the Spirit of God's leading. Just, just be obedient. There might be some issues in your, in your marriage you've got to get worked out. There might be some things that you may have to humble yourself. <laughs> you better humble yourself before God humbles you. There's times where I've had to humble myself. Can I share with you one more thing? I was in a company negotiation with an issue. And we're right. We're right. And there's $4 million involved in this company. And we're right. We're right. And I was talking to this director of operations with this company, and we were holding our ground. We weren't going to move. I'm just giving you the short story of it. And I would pray and be be fasting and doing some things about that. And I know I was right. All we wanted was an audience with them. And all we wanted was to be able to tell them what the history was. And that wouldn't happen. And I'm telling you, it got bad. It got pretty bad. It got so bad that I didn't know what else to do. And I just thought, this is going to be like two rams colliding. 
So we got in the car and we we drove there. But before we did, this was up in Guyman. We drove two hours or whatever it took to Guyman. We get there. When I share things like this, I'm not asking you to share them with somebody else, okay? It's for you guys. And the Spirit of God the night before woke me up. The Spirit of God did. Woke me up and said, you know what? You're right, but you're wrong. You've talked to her this way. You've talked to her that way. I didn't cuss. I didn't do anything else like that. But I was stonewalling the situation. I was doing some issues. Nothing illegal. Nothing immoral except for standing my ground. And I'm telling you, the Spirit of God said, I want you to take a gift when you go. And I said, God, a gift. And I want you to repent to her. And I want you to tell her that you are sorry. That you didn't treat her with respect. That you didn't honor her. You didn't honor her position. These things you did not do. And the Spirit of God nailed me. And I said, okay. And I took a gift. And I I, I asked God what I was to give. And I took a gift. And I'm telling you, this day, things turned. We got in this office and we sat down. And there was tension in the air. You could cut it with a knife. And I said, before we start, I have to do this. And I explained to her. And I asked for forgiveness for being disrespectful. I asked for forgiveness for not being obedient. I asked for forgiveness. I took responsibility for all the things that I felt I knew I was right. And I'm telling you, it turned that meaning. Did it not? It turned that meaning. She almost didn't know what to say. In fact, she said, I didn't expect this. I didn't know. I don't know what to do. And it turned that entire situation. We still continue to do business with them. We have a great relationship with them right now. We found favor after that meeting with them because I was willing to be obedient to the Spirit of God. And unforgiveness, bitterness had come in my heart towards them. I want you to ask the Lord, God, whatever it is in me that I've grieved the Spirit of God. I'm telling you, I grieve the Holy Spirit of God. According to the Scriptures and what we read today and the definitions and what it means, I did that. But I believe I pleased the Spirit of God when I took responsibility and was led by what God wanted me to do and did it. And I'm thankful for that right now. I'm asking you to ask the Spirit of God today in you, what is it in me that I need to do to make things right? It's hard. There's some of you in here resisting it already. I feel it. It's okay. Because you're not going to resist when the Spirit of God really says, you know what, it's time for you to make a move. Let's pray. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to make a commitment in your heart. Not in your mind, not in your mouth. I want you to make a commitment in your heart. Lord, that's, that's me. He's talking to me. You are speaking through me, and the Holy Spirit is using this. To not condemn you, but to bring conviction of the Spirit of God. Bring truth in the area. Bring understanding in the Word. God, that's me. I just pray strength as you go to carry it out. 
I pray the favor, the same favor that was upon us, that God gave us, it didn't come from me. It didn't come from my wisdom. It came from the wisdom of God. It didn't come from my soul. My soul didn't want to do that. But I wanted to be submissive to God. And now God showed me through that situation. He showed me through that area what was to be done and how to do it. And I just carried it out. And I wasn't like a kid that you're dragging out with both feet and heels dug in the ground. It wasn't that way. I said, okay, God, I just want what you want. God, we want what you want today. We want what you want today. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We want the Spirit to be able to teach us what to say and what to speak today. God, I just pray a blessing over every person. Now, Holy Spirit, you continue to move in our lives. I want to ask you today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God may be all over you, and the Spirit of God saying, that's you today. you got to give your life to me today. you got to just turn it over. It's okay if you turn it over. It's going to be great. I'm going to lead you into areas. I'm going to bring truth in areas. Maybe you're saying, you know, that's me today. I'm going to give you an invitation to walk the aisle and confess him before men. Because the Bible says, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. You're going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Not just with your head, but with your heart. If that's you today, we're going to give you an invitation. Maybe you say, you know what, I've been kind of hanging out with God, but I haven't been real serious with God. And today you want to get serious. If you want to get serious with God, we're going to give you an invitation. If you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we call it the baptism of the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's a gift that God says, I'll give to you if you'll ask me for it. I'll give it to you, release it to you. I'm not trying to keep a gift away from you. I believe like in Acts, you can lay hands on the person. They, they will receive it. Some of you receive it without even hands being laid on. If that's you, maybe you're looking for a home. Maybe you're looking for a church home. And you said, you know what? I don't know the vision, but I'd like to know more about Living Word Fellowship. I'd like to be involved in what God's doing. There's some of you today that have made a commitment already that we're going to be receiving you in a few weeks. There's some of you today that might say, look, I'm looking for a church home. I'm looking for a place. I don't want religion. I want a relationship with God. Well, that's what it's about. We're going to encourage the spiritual life in, in, in every believer. We're changing a culture for Christ. Maybe we've got to change what we say and how we say it. We've got to live for God. If that's you today, if you've got sickness in your body and you need a touch from God, you need prayer, let us come together in a prayer of agreement. And the sick person will be made well, be made whole. If that's you today, I'm going to ask you to come as I pray and, and dismiss. I'm going to ask the ministry teams to come. And if you want prayer today, we're going to ask you to come. So right now, Father, I thank you that you are moving. Holy Spirit, you are moving in and through and among us. I thank you for the Spirit of God moving forward. I thank you that we are not going to grieve the Spirit of God. We are going to be ever so tender. Let us be tender-hearted. That's it. Tenderize our hearts, God. Tenderize our hearts in the upcoming days so we'll hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. I pray a blessing over you today. Be blessed in all that you do and all that you say. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Hey, God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon. We love you.